Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to The Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Happy to have you with us today. Yes. Our, um, continuing our summer series, we are looking at chapter three, navigating the therapeutic space. We are realizing that as we record these and read these, that um, we may not get through this book in the summer. <laughs> if it was a weekly podcast, we might be able to, but you know, stay tuned for if we're going to pause at a certain chapter and then pick it back up in another season, because we want to offer you some other topics that have been popping up, or if we move it all the way through the end of the year. It's a, a mid-year book series instead of a summer book series. Literally unfolding as we speak. We don't have a plan, <laughs> like, but um, I don't know that efficiency is either of our strong suit. No. No. So- yeah. We'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. Yes. <laughs> I think the other thing that's showing up, I know in season one, we said this quite a bit in episodes, but we're seeing it happen more in season three, this parallel process of the podcast and like where we're at as therapists. And actually right before we press record, we have these, I, I actually don't even know what they're called, but they like go over the microphone. What do you know? What, these what are, are these? It's like a black circular has a screen on it. A screen and it goes over the microphone. It's supposed to help with all the like t -t 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 I don't even know if it really does though, honestly. Those are still bad on the <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be there. So we almost pressed record and they weren't on there. And I was like, I don't know, like, do we need them? We're like, oh well, we have them. But it feels like even in the season where we're at with therapists, it's like, oh, I need less and less to yeah. feel effective. Yeah. Um and being curious about like what here's what I have and what do I need mm -hmm. um, feels really relevant. Yeah. Yeah. To how, to what's happening with consultees and clients and mm -hmm. there's all these tools and yet what, what do we actually need? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because I think not just in like the play therapy field, the therapy field in general, it's like, and now to the next level and the next step. And it's like, it actually might be okay if you, if you just have this. In like, fact, yeah. I'll tell you, I supervise at another group practice and there's a woman named Adria who owns this group practice. And her and I were interviewing for other folks in the community to be a supervisor at the practice. Mm -hmm. And some of the most wonderful people that we supervised, I believe two of them have no certifications They've been in the field for a very long time yeah. and we're just the most wonderful people to be. And I was like, 
I'm not even finishing my sentence because I'm so excited about them. They were the most wonderful people <laughs> to be with. And I was like, wow, I wish that they could have been my supervisors. Yeah. So I, sometimes I wonder if that stuff gets in the way sometimes of like, there's so much that I can choose from because I have all these certifications or I have all this knowledge. Does it get in the way of like, oh, it's like Lisa Dion says, right? You're the most important person in the playroom. You're actually the most important person in the therapeutic room. Yeah. It's so true. And uh, and that balance or tension between needing um, structure, I think he talks about that in this chapter about like whatever theory you um, operate from. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Page 39, whatever theoretical framework you use needs an explanation of mental health, psychological distress, and a pathway to healing. Mm-hmm. And so some of these trainings provide really helpful groundwork for those things. Like how, how do we conceptualize um, distress and healing and, and yet all the tools mean nothing without safety. Right. Right. So there's a balance. Yeah. We're always talking about that on this podcast or feeling into that in the therapy space with our people. It's funny that you say that because we were talking about this off the podcast, but here we are talking about feeling really competent in this season and needing less but also moments ago, we've realized in reading this book that we're both having this feeling of imposter syndrome come up. Yeah, like really strongly, which is interesting. I think it's because it feels vulnerable to reread and now talk to you all about it. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're just reading it and you and I are just talking. I mean, we're talking to like thousands of people about how to be a therapist. And then I'm thinking, God, this is really hard. Some of these principles in here around noticing and curiosity and like all these warm and fuzzy things um, that you need such security and regulation around to actually access in Mm -hmm. the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like ignorance is bliss. Like I didn't know it before, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to try and be this way. But now that I have the information, it's like, oh, I really have some work to do. Yeah. Um, if I, if I want to be what he's describing in this book and I do, right. Maybe those of you that are reading this decide this is not the type of therapist I want to be. And and that's fine too, right. This is one approach, but I find myself often thinking about Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'll tell you, Alex, my partner, he's kind of the person in our household that watches like shows. I, don't watch TV because I'm like so healthy. I don't watch TV because if I turn it on, I'm just sucked into it. It doesn't matter mm. what show's on, I'll get sucked into it and like the rest of the world goes away. Mm. So I've been really mindful in my adult years not to watch much, but he turns it on. So whatever he's watching, all of a sudden, like I'm a huge fan of. So we have watched lots and lots of documentaries around the NBA. <laughs> um, so I could tell you all sorts of things about that, but- That's amazing. Yeah. The one thing is, is that, a lot of the players that when Michael Jordan was on the Bulls, they talk about that he was really difficult to be on the team um, because he wanted to perform at such a high level and wouldn't allow the rest of the team to not perform at mm. his level. Mm. And, and I kept thinking about that while reading this. I was like, I really want like high performing therapists. I want everybody to perform at a high level this is the approach that I'm looking at that says this is high level therapy. Yeah. Um, and also wanting to maintain relationships with my fellow therapists instead of yeah. judging them for maybe being in their own process. 
It reminds me of that agenda versus intention mm. with like supervisees or consultees. Mm -hmm. Like we get to have high standards. I think from, um, I, I'm just like talking about this out loud, I guess, so it could be wrong, but I wonder if the high standards we have for our field come from like this really beautiful place around hope because we just know it's possible. Yeah. Right? And so it doesn't come from like a shaming spot. It comes from this like enlivening. We just know we, we can, we can be uh, more alive and better together kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but for sure, I can find when I'm agendaed with a supervisee or a client too, mm -hmm. um, you know, then there's not, there's not literally neurobiologically, they, they can't be as connected to that hope. Like now we're just touching on left hemisphere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think in chapter three, this is where he discussed, speaking of that agenda, about the first impressions. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. he was saying that we have to be really careful about our first impressions of clients because we almost immediately create a hypothesis of what's going on with them. Yeah. And then that can drive our questioning or the way that we're approaching their symptoms uh, just based on having this agenda of what we initially came up with this hypothesis. Yeah. Right. I know. So how do we stay in that place of curiosity? Like I, I think about the body cues that I hold when I'm not being curious. Mm. I get very still. Like I don't know if it's tension or like in, in session, I'll just be very still. When you're when I'm not, not curious, when I'm like thinking too much and like not in this place of like literal flow. So as I'm talking about this, it's like I'm I kind of um talk with my hands a lot or like move and stretch. And when I'm not being curious, I get really still. Wow. I'm, I'm smiling because I have like the exact opposite. Oh, really? <laughs> I am like, it's not a good movement. It's not a flowy movement, what you're talking about. It's real fidgety. Okay. You know, I'm like scratching and like moving my hair and like adjusting my feet and yeah. because I'm not, I'm listening to respond. Yeah. So I'm just like, so like, okay, well, let me get There's in the, the word energy. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that, and I know when it's happening, like this is not the spot to be in. Yeah. Mm. So it's so important to pay attention, which is so much of what Cozzolino is talking about, paying attention to our own cues of like how we're doing. Um, and he references someone that talks about like the listening with the third ear. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways. That's how he names it. I think the setup is mm -hmm. another way to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Shuttling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The essence of IPMB, right? Like being able to notice how you're doing in your body yeah. and in your mind while you're interacting with another mind. Mm -hmm. um, and the first thing that he talks about is paying attention to our body cues, which again, sounds so simple. And it is really hard because you have to be so present to notice like, yeah, I can't sit still right now, right? If you're fidgeting or... Well, you have to, have to be so dual present. Yes. Right back yeah. to what he talked about in this other chapter around shuttling, but you have to be so present with what's happening for you yeah. to then shuttle over and be very present at the same time with this client. Actually, again, Lisa Dion would say this, and I really enjoyed it, but she does play therapy. If a kid leaves your session and you're like, well, that was fun and easy, like you didn't do mm. any work. Mm -mm. And I feel the same way with clients. Like the, the sessions really should feel like, wow, like I... It, it takes a lot of work to be that present. Oof. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if you're like, I yeah, know. that was just like an easy session. Mm -hmm. I think as we're discharging people, for sure, that's where that can show up. 
But in the beginning stages of therapy, I, for my experience, it, it doesn't feel easy and that's not bad. No, we're working. That That's what needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're working with this, this essence that like needs to be, yeah, needs energy with. Yeah. Well, and even with these things that he's talking about in order to check in with ourselves and these body sensations, it's like in my own therapy, she'll ask, you know, where do you notice that? And I might go, well, it's in my stomach, but that's because I just ate blah, 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 blah. And she just dismisses that altogether <laughs> and is like, okay, great. So tell me about the feeling in your stomach. Yeah. Instead of, I think what I would have done as a newer therapist, oh yeah, I love oatmeal. What kind of oatmeal did you have? Right. And I would have like stuck with the content. Yeah. Um, or because it was an uncomfortable thing for me, I would have wanted to like talk more about what they had for breakfast. Yeah. It's so much safer in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. If we're afraid of like the depths of what your belly's holding. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. And I was just sharing, like I had a session this morning and um, found myself really intense play therapy session and found myself getting exhausted. And the first thing I thought was like, yeah, I just need more coffee. And it's like, well, no, maybe it's because this client can be pretty dissociative and I'm feeling what they're feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. And and instead of like taking this ownership of, oh, well, it's because such and such, um, being curious about, oh gosh, no, this must be what's in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what needs to be here. And this is what needs to be named and worked with and regulated through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's even back to, I'm, I'm noticing this about myself and am I willing to yeah. um, sit with that and then shuttle over to the client or am I not sitting with it and saying like, oh, it's, it's because I need yeah. more coffee. Right. Which feels some, it feels related to this content over process. Like I have to be really vulnerable and secure enough in myself to entertain the idea that it's not needing more coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this there's something here that's really painful that wants to take me away from this moment that's happening in the play. Yeah. And that touches on all my moments of pain that I could resonate with. Mm-hmm. Um, how much easier is it to say, I just need more coffee. The coffee will fix me. Right. <laughs> like, Or for your therapist um, to stay with, well, tell me more about what's happening in your stomach, mm-hmm. the sensation of it, and not colluding with like the dismissiveness or avoidance or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in reviewing chapter three, something else that came up for us was tracking themes. When we're thinking about process over content, another way to do that is over time, noticing these themes that have came up. And only in the last year have I felt like I've gotten some really good skill around like, oh, I'm I'm noticing that each time this client comes in, they're talking about something different, but they're actually talking about the same thing. Yeah. And so we were talking about the different ways that you might notice that with a client. This We talked about curiosity. We talked mm-hmm. about being direct. Yeah. I think you gave a really good example of being curious around a theme versus saying like, well, here's what I think it is. Oh, like the I don't know example? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a session where I heard myself say very authentically like even a little, it felt even a little bit unprofessional because I kind of put my hands like up <laughs> and like right now my hands are, I'm shrugging my shoulders, my hands are up by my cheeks. Like, and I said, I, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. I wonder if it could be that this is, for example, like part of the purpose, but I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And 
um, my client was able to take that in like so authentically. And I thought about um, how not that long ago I would have maybe said something like, well, I don't know, but could it be possible that X, Y, Z? Yeah, it feels very different. It feels very different because I just really don't know. I think coming, and it really is like rereading this book and talking about all this and embodying some of this. I seriously don't know. Right. And so I just, (laughs) it's like kind of ridiculous to to act like we know it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from that place of curiosity, being able to, I was holding a theme that was coming up for this client Mm -hmm. related to themes, but approached it in like, I didn't even think about it, honestly. It surprised me yeah. like how much I just could name, like, I don't know, but could it, could it be this? And, and how she really uh, made some connections. But I think it's from that curious space. It feels like fertile ground to be like, oh, like what is here and what could emerge? Well, well the reason why I think that relates to this is because the curiosity creates a safety to go below the content. That's right. Yes. You're staying in the content when you say, I don't know, but could it be? Oh my God, I have to talk about gardening. So it makes me think of this like concept garden. I've been thinking about this and it's not fully formed, but exactly. It's like you have rich soil for things to emerge and there's an understory. So it's all knit. Like I think of IPMB and like these principles being these like understory networks Mm -hmm. in, in the earth. And then from there are these like concepts that makes sense and come forward. And so one of them being like curiosity or like purpose or, Mm. and so I think of that with my clients, like what can I be like weaving together with them in this understory and, and just being like real, like when we bought our house, um, it was really fun because we inherited all these plants, but we like didn't know what we, because we bought it in the fall. So that next spring it'd be like, who are you? Who's coming? I don't know. Like, let's see. And, um, it feels kind of like that in the therapy space. Like, can we amend the soil and and see what emerges? And and that's all we can do is like just be really connected underneath. Um, and like and whatever. I could talk forever about compost and like rot being revision, and it just feels like really sacred when we think of what we do, yeah. what we're growing. Yeah. And you know, I know nothing about gardening and and can't keep anything alive and save me. But one thing that I, I think I know about, so you have to let me know, I was just telling somebody, I think they were talking about their garden and how they grew cucumbers and they were eating them on Zoom. And I was like, I wish I could eat my own cucumber. And I said, well, how long have you had the garden? And they said, well, about six years. And I said, oh, I said, isn't there something about how it just takes a while? I think maybe you're saying amending the soil. You yeah. might start with soil that's really not for growing and it just takes over time. So I guess to add on to this concept, also letting ourselves and our clients know, right, that this takes a while to amend the soil. And nothing goes to waste though. Right. Like it's all used. Mm. And so I think there's something lovely about, um, it makes me think of what Robin Goebel posted recently about how, um, there's no, I don't remember how she said it, Kelly, like, uh, you can't do, you can't, there's no wrong way to do therapy or like stop expecting kids to do therapy a certain way. It was something about parents, um, thinking that their kids needed to be engaging in therapy. Yes. And like, what do we deem as engagement Mm -hmm. and not? And, um, and I just love IPMB, um, 
even as I say that, I can just like, like I feel myself exhaling because you're like, none of it goes to waste. Like all of it is used. And I think that the earth teaches us that lesson in the soil. It's like, well, all of it's used. It is uh, a game of like patience Mm -hmm. and tending, but um, therapy feels like that too. We just, what can we, what can we add and what can we like till and what can we um, grow? So overused analogy, maybe I do have a, well, I have two things. Um, Cozzolino quotes Einstein a lot in this book. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that, yes. And my phone or algorithm must know or something, because sometimes I'll read out loud. And uh, so this thing popped up on my phone, and it was a quote from Einstein that said, um, the greatest tragedy of human existence is the illusion of separateness. Wow. I remember that now that you say that, but to hear you say it out loud. The greatest... tragedy of human existence is the illusion of separateness. And I thought about just the complexities of when we're interacting, how interconnected we are. Um, We want to leave you with some mindfulness. Um, We're going to be using our flora healing uh, plant folk deck. We will link it in the show notes. We drew garlic. It whimsically displays its purple plume above ground, but in the dark subterranean, The flora produces a bulb that is rich and pungent. In this earthly element, we gleam wisdom. Not all darkness is bad. It can be positive. It takes resolve and tenacity to address issues that are vitally important to us. Memories and moments of a lifetime are deeply ingrained within us. Moving them from the subconscious to the conscious requires work. When we dig in and go deep, we take a subterranean approach. Having emotional support in place can limit negative impact. Before you take this trek, what people can you call upon or resources can you access when you're ready to do your work? Thanks for being with us. That really relates to what we're doing. Doesn't it? I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah.